Welcome to Way Too Seriously, the podcast where we watch kids' movies and then take them way too seriously. And today we'll, we watched and we'll be talking about the 2017 movie Despicable Me 3. So Despicable Me 3 is obviously the third movie in the Despicable Me franchise. It was uh, directed by Pierre Coffin and Kyle Balda, written by Cinco Paul and Ken Dario. Uh, starring Steve Carroll, Kristen Wiig, Trey Parker, Miranda Cosgrove, Jenny Slate, Julie Andrews. Same people as... Wait, wait. Julie Andrews? She's the mom. Is she? Yeah. So she was more of a role in the other two movies. Huh. Yeah. I didn't know that. There you go. It is uh, distributed by Universal and Illumination Entertainment. Illumination, who has also brought us all the Despicable Me movies, the Minion movie, Sing, and Secret Life of Pets. All right. So, Paul, why don't you tell us a little bit about what this movie's about? Following after the plot of Despicable Me and Despicable Me 2, this movie begins with Gru and Lucy as secret agents in the anti-villain squad. They go up against the new villain of this movie, Balthazar Brat, a former child star in the 80s. And Brat humiliates Gru and escapes. So Gru and Lucy are fired from the Anti-Villain League. Meanwhile, Gru has a twin brother named Drew who wants to meet Gru because their father died. Meanwhile, the minions decide that they don't want to be Gru's minions anymore. Meanwhile, Lucy wants to be a mom to the three girls. So... Lucy, Gru, and the three girls travel to Fredonia, where his brother Drew lives. Meanwhile, (laughs) Agnes hears that there's a real unicorn in the forest and goes off to find one. Hijinks ensue. Drew and Gru successfully steal a diamond from the villain, but then there's a twist, and then there's a twist, and then there's a twist, and Hollywood gets destroyed, but they sort of save the day a little bit. In the end, but Drew is still a villain, Mm -hmm. but Gru will catch him eventually. You can probably hear a certain (laughs) lack of enthusiasm in my voice. And um, I want to start talking about the objective nature of our objective judgments of this movie. And I'm going to start with this is a movie of six different plots that needed maybe two of them. Yes. There's just too much in this movie. Nothing gets developed properly because there's too many different things that they're trying to do and trying to accomplish. And we have the story of, you know, Gru loses his purpose in life again, which was the, yeah, pur- the plot of the last of the movies. movie. Yeah. Um, we have Dr- Gru and his twin brother. We have a new villain who from the 80s. We have Lucy trying to adjust to family life and like we have the the minions who are basically in their own sub movie because they're they have a, like several musical numbers that have absolutely nothing to do with the main plot and they have no effect on the main plot and they are basic they're irrelevant to uh thematically unconnected to they leave grew have their own adventures come back and join grew again and now the, those things don't have anything to do with each other mm-hmm so as a objective judgment, this movie is kind of a mess plot-wise. Yes, Like the absolutely. story. 
And none of these things are relevant to each other thematically. None of these things are relevant to each other. Like they're, they kind of shoehorn the Balthazar brat 80s villain plot and connect that into the Drew and Grew. Grew has a twin brother plot. Yeah. But it, it's not a natural fit. No. And it almost feels like Lucy's desire to be mother to the three girls might be connected to the fact that. Grew has a twin brother that he's lost, but they don't connect those. And it might be connected to Grew doesn't know what his purpose in life is anymore, but they don't connect that either. Added up to all this, at the very beginning of the movie, they introduce the leader of the anti-villain squad retires and is taken over by this distinctive character woman voiced by Jenny Slate who was there for like two seconds. And then she disappears. Fires, she fires Gru and Lucy and is never seen again throughout the whole movie. Like, I, I think she just ended up in the cutting room floor. Yeah. And it made no sense. Like, you introduce this character like she's significant and then she has no significance. And it might have made sense if she ended up being a villain, if she ended up being redeemed and it turns or out she was if she was brat in disguise because brat has all these disguises throughout the whole thing so i kind of expected that to be the result like for but it to end with him being her but no she has nothing no, to do with anything it wasn't and there's so many like there's many yeah. loose end plot directions mm -hmm. that don't lead anywhere so in objective terms the writing of this movie in like story writing of this movie is just not polished enough as is not as polished as it should be mm -hmm. and especially more specifically there are too many separate plots four of them need to just go away and then they need to come back and think about the ones that remain and how they're connected to each other and how like what is the story that you are telling here yeah exactly just feels like a lot of stuff that happens so we're starting with low lights mm -hmm. is there anything else you want to say draw attention to while we're talking lowlights there is there's even yet another almost developed plot that i just thought of now which is there's like this little boy selling cheese in fredonia who's like the almost girlfriend of who's the oldest girl Margot. yeah who like they almost like oh he might be her friend or love interest or whatever and that that's just dropped well so, uh, did you you fell asleep? Thing? Did you miss that part? He comes oh, back. He comes back. Okay, he comes I did not back. off for a couple it of minutes. It turns out it's awful, yeah. actually, because it's exactly the cliche of a storyline of a story fragment that you might expect. It turns out that the uh, foreign dance that she did in the foreign land with the foreigners was secret. Was uh, ritualist. Uh, engagement ritual. Oh, so brother. he thinks that they're engaged now. Wah, wah. And she's 12. Yeah. We could talk about that in the way too seriously. Let's put a pin section. in that for a sailor. Like, let's talk about that in a minute. But yeah, that, so that isn't, that's a plot that has nothing to do with anything. It sort of has something to do with the Lucy trying to learn to be their mother, but it, it isn't developed and it isn't really connected. Mm -hmm. But it does finish. Mm hmm. Is there, are there redeemable aspects? What about the voice acting, the, any bits of it that were I good? think, okay, I think that the humor was fine. Mm -hmm. It didn't, it wasn't on par with uh, the funniest 
movies I've seen or we've talked about. And uh, it isn't nearly as funny as my memory of what the first two, especially the first one Despicable mm-hmm. Me movie was. Yeah. But there were moments that really made me laugh. Frankly, the Minion subplot was funnier than the rest of the movie. And I laughed a few times. Like there was a part yep. where they sing, I am the very model of a modern major general in like minion language. It was actually funny to me. Mm-hmm. I laughed. And it like, there's several moments in that big musical number where it seems like they're all like really tired and they're sag. And then when their cue comes in, they're like on again. Mm-hmm. And that was well done and funny. Yeah. Despite the fact that Minions, and maybe this is d- diving into personal opinions, but despite the fact that Minions have kind of infiltrated our, our culture and are like just flipping everywhere, you can get Minions on everything. And people love the min- Some people just love the Minions. Um, they are still really funny. Like, they continue to, like, tickle my funny bone and continue to... They definitely have a certain appeal that is surprising after all this time, after, like, five years of Minions everywhere. Especially in small doses. Small doses. The whole Yeah, the Minion movie was pretty terrible because it was, yeah. I think the voice acting was all pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um... I'm not sure it was a really good idea to have Steve Carell playing both brothers. I agree. His Gru voice was not quite as good because mm-hmm. he was trying to differentiate it from his Drew voice. Yeah. So it was a little more... Uh, vocal fry? Vocal fry and guttural than mm-hmm. it used to be because the other one is higher and it still wasn't super distinguishable from each other. Yep. But other than that, I think the voice acting was all pretty good. Agnes, is, the youngest kid, is played by a different actor and isn't as wasn't as good. Yeah, that's true. I think they that's just the case she of got she got older and they couldn't she couldn't do that voice anymore. And unfortunately, like that is a big uh, that is a hard job for a child actor to like imitate this previous actor mm-hmm. and talk just like her. And it wasn't helped by the fact that they made her repeat like exact lines. Like yeah. it's so fluffy. By a different actor with different intonation that isn't as good. Mm-hmm. So. Was it fluffy? It was so fluffy. That I, w- I was in the middle of saying highlights, but. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm going to, before I give up on lowlights, in terms of like the writing once again, I said some of the jokes are funny, but there was quite a lot of retreading old ground. Yes. Both in the humor and in the plot and in like, I'm all for a callback, mm-hmm. but there's a difference between a callback and just doing the same joke again. Yep. And this movie did a lot of the same joke again, especially with the kids. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So should we move into like your actual opinion of the movie? I think we've kind of revealed that, but... How much did you actually enjoy this movie? Not a lot. No. Um, What's your main complaint? I mean, before we, I, I didn't say in the highlight in the in the highlights. I didn't say the animation was good. Let like let's mm. give them oh, credit yeah. for yeah, that. Yeah. The animation was up to the standards of a, the previous Despicable Me movies, which is a good animation. Yeah. So let's not uh, 
move past that without acknowledging like it's a good looking movie. I, in terms of my very personal uh, experience of this movie, like I was bored by it. That's my major complaint of it was I was occasionally made me laugh. It had trouble holding my attention Mm -hmm. because there's too many stories going on for me to be invested in any of them. It basically always takes the path of least resistance and the most expected direction. There's a moment where uh, Balthazar Brat was in disguise as Lucy that I didn't see coming, except that they told me to see it coming because he she was singing an 80s song. Yeah. So, but like... So I saw it coming, but I didn't see before it happened that it was coming. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Other than that, though, basically all the beats of the story were foreseeable. They did exactly what you expect to do with everyone. And nothing was developed as it should have been. There are lots of ways that you could have been surprising. Mm. Like, maybe she should have just found a unicorn instead of a goat. Yeah. For example. Mm. Like... Um, I really wanted her to find a unicorn. Yeah. And she didn't. And she didn't. So my personal feelings about the movie was mostly that it was underwhelming and kind of boring. How about you? I think I liked it a little more than you because I found the uh, evil brat character, the 80s villain, was, I found him pretty funny. I think he he delighted me in a lot of ways. He was... uh, just like all the eighties things were nostalgic and funny and like, and I think really spot on. I think that was really well done. The, as I said before, the minions, I still find funny and I still liked a lot of what the minions did. And um, despite the voice actor changing, Agnes is a great character. I love that little girl. I think she does a great job and she's really good. Um, So there was quite a few, a few moments that were like, funny and fun it just yeah the plot itself being so convoluted and like just a complete mess turned me right off i will grant you i still like agnes as a character i'm i'm with you on she's uh interesting and fun and cute and funny character despite the voice actor changing and i will also grant you i thought i was going to like like the opening sequence Mm -hmm. the heist with balthazar brat i thought it was a little bit similar to the big heist scenes in the first movie Mm -hmm. but the 80s-ness of it was a fun gimmick and like i was quite pleased uh when he was robbing it to bad by michael jackson because i like michael jackson uh for some reason i have developed in my 30s into like basically since Michael Jackson died, I've turned into like a Michael Jackson <laughs> from the eighties big fan. So I'm really happy when he shows up. I don't know why that has happened to me, but it did. Um, and the music, the eighties music, like it's not just eighties music that's nostalgic. It's well chosen both for like fitting the mood and for the humor and for like they did a good job choosing the eighties music. Yeah. I don't think they went for just the lowest fruit, lowest hanging fruit in terms of the music choices. Right. So I enjoyed all that too. Yeah. Yeah. The music, I like that too. Mostly. Mostly. Except that like, again, 
the 80s music was good, but like Pharrell doing the soundtrack, like he he does not deserve any from any praise from me for this soundtrack yeah, because I agree. he did the songs that he did for the first movie again. Mm-hmm. Like the Despicable Me theme song again, even though it doesn't make any sense anymore, the lyrics. Yeah. Because it's like, I'm so bad. Yeah. I'm having a bad day and it was a bad song in this context. Yeah, absolutely. A lazy song yeah, a very in this lazy context. Song in this context. And then the la- the end credit song, the like new song written for this movie is like written for a kids movie and the lyrics are like let's make out like we're lovers so much for taking it slow. Yeah. And like that's that's what nothing you write to, for a kids movie? It's nothing to do with the movie and it's like Inappropriate. It's inappropriate for a kids movie, for especially for Despicable Me is a young kids movie. Like it's yeah. a little, it's a little young for our kids even. Yeah. Like yeah, it was that was really weird. So, I mean, let's get into the way, 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 way part of our show. I want to start by talking about Lucy uh, being obsessed with being a mom to the girls. Hmm. Yeah. And there's a couple of things to think about with that. But where I'm going to start is they call Gru, Gru, and they, by the end of the movie, call her mom. Yeah, I noticed that. What the bleep is that about? Yeah. Gru is net, like, Gru in the first movie was like, I now have responsibility for these kids, but he does not articulate that as i'm a dad and how do i be a dad and learn to dad and i'm a dad now she talks about how she's a mom so forking much in this movie (laughs) part of it i liked it because i felt like it was saying that not every woman is a natural mother Mm -hmm. and that it can be difficult to become a stepmom to adopt kids to feel like you have to be this maternal role on the other hand, Gru doesn't get that at all. Yeah. He's never trying to be called dad. Yeah. And the first movie trusted us and also uh, didn't feel compelled by gender roles. So both of those things together to the degree that like Ru- Gru could be a foster parent to the girls without him having to confront what dadness means. Yeah. But uh, you can't have a female guardian with, like, she couldn't just be in their lives now and, like, I don't know how to take care of kids. I don't know how to. It's always be a mom, be a mom. I'm a mom. I'm, and I think uh, it does get some. I I will give it some credit for i think it was aiming at and partially achieved like it's it's interrogating uh adoption and step parenting and like but i don't think that i give it the credit that you want to give it a second ago for like it's about not all women are natural mothers because i don't i think that the subtext of that is shame on her for not being a natural mother yes that is a good point that until she becomes a mom, a, a real mom, I'm a mom now, I'm a mom, and she calls me mom, that's when she has achieved her real purpose in the movie. Yes. You're right. And that's a problem. So I don't think the movie is okay with the fact that she's not a good natural mother. hmm And I think the movie is completely okay with the fact that Gru's not a good or is a good natural father. Like, 
it's more nuanced with him that they're willing to like, he has this new relationship that he's their guardian and he cares for them and they're his girls, but he's, but they're not willing to be that. Nuanced. I'm a little weirded out that they, that he doesn't get called dad because he's way more an actual dad to them for two movies before this. Exactly. Yeah. That was. And it really highlights that like all kinds of things about momhood is what gives a woman her true purpose according to this movie. Mm-hmm. And also, no matter what kind of relationship you have with uh, adopted kids, you're never going to be their real dad. <laughs> because yeah. men can't become nurturing parental figures, no matter what they do. You're yeah. still going to be grew to them forever. That is the message that you're getting. Like, yeah. So speaking of women in this movie, there's a lot of what we might call the male gaze. Tell me about the male gaze, Jan. The male gaze is when you use the camera to focus on women objectifying them. And what's the deal? What's the problem with that? (laughs) I mean, maybe we've already said, maybe we don't need to spell it out. Because not all people are men. Not all people are attracted to women. That's that's what I was hoping you would put into words. Yeah. Is because it's partly about objectifying people, but it's also, it assumes... That the audience is a trap. And this is a children's movie. Yeah. And so you have, at the very beginning of the movie, the minions end up on a beach with two girls in bikinis leering at them. And the minions are like, ho, ho. And the camera is very like, la, 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 la. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just using sound effects to, but like, it's, is, yeah, the camera is very focusing on like, look at these hot chicks in bathing suits coming to rescue the minions. And then, the male gaze on Margot, even, who is 12 years old, you get the camera from the little boy's perspective of like, ah, and there's light behind her and there's a little chorus of little birdies around her. And it's very like, Margot, she's finally, uh, you know, looked at by a little boy. Yeah, we Which, don't see him from her perspective, but we do exactly, see her from his perspective. Exactly. I'm like, I don't care about his perspective. He's a non-character who doesn't even have a name, doesn't yeah. have a purpose in the movie. But the movie is convinced that seeing the world from his perspective is important, but seeing the world from Margot's perspective is not. Yes. Because we are assumed as viewers to be, you know, to th- think of the world in terms of... uh women exist and girls exist to be desired objects. Now, to be fair, there is some uh, male eye candy too. There's the mother has her two swim coaches who are these big muscular men who are like flexing their pecs and stuff. And so you do have the opposite, not as quite a bad of a way and not with a history of objectification. Not to mention that it is still a children's movie. It's still, yeah, exactly. All of this to say, what is with, like, why are you trying to add sex appeal in a children's movie? Like, that's not, no, don't do that. That's a smart idea. And to back up about Margot for just a second, like, Mm. I don't think that the movie is sexually objectifying her. No, no. But it is objectifying her. Yes. Like, just to be clear that we're aware of the difference, that the way the Mm. camera is looking at Margot with light behind her and and hearts and birdies or whatever is not uh sexualizing but it's still objectifying because she is literally the object of 
the camera and that character's desire and the camera and the character are united and they both together are like, look at this thing that you could have. Mm -hmm. Despite what I was saying a few minutes ago about liking the minions still and thinking they're funny. There's also the minions are super leering all the time, especially at women and like doing like making booby jokes and like it's creepy and gross and they're like and minions are like children yeah i don't know that they're i don't know that i object because minions are children i object because the movie's aimed at children yes, and, and min- i object because whether it's aimed at children or not like in this movie how many boob jokes do minions make at least two yeah because one where they're wearing the one minion is wearing like a coconut bra for the luau and the mm-hmm. coconut one of the coconuts falls off and the other one like covers where his nipple would be yeah which is like an off-color joke it is and then another one where i can't the re- statue has like it's a statue of a really busty woman and they're like, like oh they're boobies yeah like, exactly come on yeah exactly and then there's also Sorry, do you want to... I just wanted to say that part of the problem with Minions... I mean, there's a thousand problems with Minions. Let me get into them. But part of the problem is that every single Minion is male. Yeah. There are no female Minions. And so that causes some issues. And they could be... I think we would still want... Object to it because it doesn't really work in practice. But they could be functionally uh, asexual, agendered... Mm-hmm. Um, I would still like they're all voiced by male voices, yeah. but they could be functionally asexual, except that they keep leering at yeah, exactly. women. They wear like a wig to be a stewardess. Yeah, they like in all kinds of ways. Like I was going to say a second ago about the there's at least two booby jokes in this movie. There's at least two minions, like, staring leeringly at pe- at women. And there's also, I can think of three off the top of my head, like, minion transvestite jokes. Yeah. Haha, isn't it hilarious yeah. that these minions are dressing up as women? Yep. And that's the in the coconut bra at the luau, mm-hmm. and it's in the... Like a mop wig, a mop wig to be a flight attendant because, and I said a stewardess a second ago because yeah, they're not a flight attendant. It's a yeah. stewardess because it's important that you can't be a flight attendant if you're not a woman. Yeah. And then when they sing the major general song, big right. musical number, there's a part where like suddenly they burst out wearing dresses and dresses yeah. and flash their underpants. Yeah. And like. Off-color jokes, also transvestites are hilarious. Ha 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 ha. Yeah, also, cross-dressing is cross-dressing. Yeah, dressing in the wrong gender clothes is hilarious. And also, let's really reinforce that the minions are all male. Yeah, because of how they objectify women and find it hilarious, and we find it hilarious to dress them in women's clothing because of how they're not women. Yeah, like. It's all bad stuff. Yep. Should I say the other thing I don't like about minions? Please do. While we're in the minions, talking about minions. Um, so minions are even worse than Oompa Loompas. <laughs> Explain why. We talked about Oompa Loompas in our 
Charlie and Chocolate Factory episode. And minions are like these singing, dancing creatures as well, but they're like extra slave. Like they are, they want to be slaves. They're extra. I don't know. Maybe they're not as bad as Oompa Loompas, but I feel like they're worse Oompa Loompas. I feel like they're not as bad as Oompa Loompas because they're so clearly not human. Yeah, okay. I think the Minion movie was bad for lots of reasons, and one of the reasons that the Minion movie was bad is it established a uh, world in which the Minions pre-exist grew, because in the first two movies, it's easy to imagine that he created them somehow. Mm-hmm. And then, like, he created and cloned these creatures who are his servants, and he treats them well, and it's funny that he treats them well, even though he created them to serve him. But once they become, like, a class or race or species that uh, of people or person-like things who attach themselves and live to serve someone, like, that becomes ickier. Yeah. Agreed. That's what I mean. I still think, I don't, I'm not saying they're good. No. I still think Oompa Loompas are worse because Oompa Loompas are human. Yeah, that's a good point. And minions are very not human. Very not human. You're right. Um, the other thing, uh, oh, the thing I wanted to know was, in terms of the, to get back just to the plot disaster, why did the minions go to jail? Because they ran into the theater that wasn't, and then they performed. Yeah. Like, that isn't jail-worthy. Yeah. That's, we kick you out of this studio-worthy. They went to jail for trespassing? Yeah. It was like, what? And they gave a performance and the, on a spoof of, like, America's Got Talent or The mm-hmm. Voice or something. And everyone cheered for them and the judges liked it, but they still went to jail because reasons? Yeah. For no reason. It makes no sense. No sense at all. That doesn't really belong in way too seriously. No. But but it is a good point. Yeah. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. There's, Um, I mean, in terms of the way too seriously, we could talk about the Minions being in jail and how very hilarious it is that they... Oh, yeah, that too. uh, ...pick a fight with the toughest guy on the first day, and isn't it so funny that they intimidate all the prisoners because jail is hilarious and violence inmate violence in jail is definitely good uh source of comedy for a children's movie yeah like so there's all that there's all that (laughs) yeah minions like yeah i said right off the top that they're funny but guess what they're also terrible yeah and like in a lot of ways the major general yeah uh, musical number I liked it and it made me laugh. Mm-hmm. It had nothing to do with anything. It didn't belong in the movie and it had some hilarious cross-dressing. So, yeah. Yep. We could talk, I mean, the, the only other thing that is in my mind to really talk about is in the, con- we said we would come back to how hilarious it is that Margot and Lucy misinterpret the cultural expectations of this weird foreign country right. and accidentally yeah. get her engaged at 12 years old right. because weird foreigners have mm-hmm. weird incomprehensible uh rituals and you're gonna accidentally marry someone because child marriage is hilarious and yeah. foreign 
and wacky, ignorant foreigners think that 12-year-olds should get married because of cheese, and that you didn't even see, like, his mother comes and speaks in a accent, kind of like Gru's accent, but a little bit more, like, Mediterranean, like a Greek kind of accent, mm-hmm. um, or something like that, that kind of general accent. Mm-hmm. And she's dark like olive skinned and dark haired and she's like you don't like to marry my son and like ugh yeah it's just bad yeah it's bad because child marriage isn't funny mm-hmm. because foreigners aren't funny <laughs> just by virtue of being foreign mm-hmm. because like I mean, we, I don't even know where to start beyond just laying out what happened. I yeah. don't really know where to start picking bad. apart the problems there. There's also the luau itself is a little bit, like, stere- really stereotyping Hawaiian culture. A little culture. bit really. <laughs> a little bit really stereotyping Hawaiian culture. And at that point in the movie, at the point of the movie of the luau, I was basically still on the movie's side, like, rooting mm-hmm. for this movie. Yeah. And what I thought was, like, uh. <laughs> Yeah. Looking back on it now, I'm like, this is just one more strike against you. Yep. When we were watching it, I was like, well, I guess luau's are a thing. I mean, pineapple and coconut and ukuleles, like, it's a little stereotypy but is it that much worse than like spaghetti and uh guitar but yeah yeah and that wouldn't be great either it just all adds up to like ugh, yeah and like the luau and they're dressed in grass skirts and coconut bras and it just like think about you know we're having sushi, so I'm going to play... Da, 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 da. Like, yep. it's that level of lazy, racist, stereotyping garbage. Yep. And I was... I gave it a side eye, and then the movie did so much more that I was like, this isn't a rare misstep. This is, like, what this movie is like. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, lastly, a line that we have to call out, where I was like, we got to the end of this movie, and I had to, like, ask you whether, like, did I hear that line right, or was I half asleep? When little Agnes is wanting a unicorn, and she's, like, basically praying in bed, and she's saying all the things that the unicorn is going to help her with, and she's saying that she says, and I quote, he will use his magical powers to help me do math. Please bless that when I find a unicorn, he'll want to come home with me. He'll use his magical powers to help me do math. In the, like, most generous interpretation, that is meant to be, I think, like, what do kids not like? Vegetables and math. So it's like, it's meant to be a joke in the same exact line as, like, Riley doesn't like broccoli because Mm -hmm. it's a stereotype of what kids don't like. Kids. Yes, I hope. But can you give us a less generous interpretation? (laughs) Well, here's the thing. Here's a little history lesson, if you don't know about it. In the 80s, there was a Barbie. 
the 80s that this movie references, so maybe yes, they've indeed. heard of. It actually was the 90s, now that I think about it. Oh, no. In the 90s, there was a teen talk Barbie who said, math is tough, and people got really mad about this because it was a stereotypical girly thing that girls don't like math. She said, let's go to the mall. Yeah. What, like, what are the boys doing? Yeah. Math is tough. tough. Yeah. And in this movie... And in this movie, we have little Agnes who thinks math is tough. And it's a thing in the real world that women and girls don't go into STEM industries, science, technology, engineering, and math, because these ideas are ingrained in them for so long that they think that they can't do them. Yeah. And... Our little girl, for example, is very good at math, and partly maybe because we've pushed her to be, because I was terrible at it as a kid, and so I don't want her to suffer like I did. Yeah. But I don't want her to hear this message that, like, I want a magical unicorn to do my math for me, because math is too hard, because I'm a little girl. (laughs) Hee hee. And I mean, like you said, it can also just be kids don't like X and Y. It could, it could have easily been, I wish this unicorn would eat my vegetables for me. But it has a lot of weight behind it that I don't think they're ignorant of. Yeah. And like, even my most generous read is generous of their intentions. But I'm not going to be that generous of the effect of what they put on the screen. Yes. Like, my most generous read is they were thinking. Kids don't like math. But even with that read, what you put on the screen is a little girl who wants magic instead of math because math is too hard for her. And like, no, that is some garbage. And like, the way that, uh, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) They're just like, there's, I don't know. (sighs) Yeah, that's garbage. Yeah. That like. You can't, of all the things, of all the things in the world that you could have her wishing that she didn't have to do, like, I wish my unicorn would do my chores for me, clear the table when it's my turn, eat my vegetables, uh, keep a middle sister from stealing my toys, Mm -hmm. uh, you know? just without thinking about it at all, came up with six possibilities. Yep. Cuddle with me to keep me warm when it's cold. Like, I don't know. Yep. A lot of things could be there that aren't there. And if I'm gonna take things way too seriously, which I am, I don't really like you telling my kids that they're supposed to not like vegetables. But I'd prefer that to you telling them that they're supposed to be bad at math. Yep. I don't think for us person for us specifically, I don't think either of our kids identify with Agnes. Yep. They're both too old. Yeah, absolutely. So neither of our girls are identifying with her. They're identifying with the two older sisters. Yep. Uh but there will be girls who but will. But there will be girls who will. And like oh, it's just not something you should put in her mouth. No. At all. Bad movie. You should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> so, in that vein, is it good? Is it seriously good? Is it good? 
Mm. It's okay. Yeah. In terms of quality, it's okay. It's, I think, better than the Minion movie, but worse than Despicable Me 2, which was worse than Despicable Me 1. Yeah. Is it seriously good? Mm. Nope. It's seriously bad. It's seriously bad. In a lot of different ways. Yep. There's many fronts on which it is seriously bad. If it was good in every other way, but it had this math line, I might want to call it seriously bad because of it. Yeah. But there's so many things. There's so many things. The male gaze, the hilarious cross-dressing, the hilarious foreigners, the indentured servitude, the hilarious prison jokes, the like... It is a hot mess of awful. Yep. Sorry, guys. If you like this movie, we do not. If you like this movie, you're wrong and should feel bad about No. <laughs> no, not at all. You're, you have a right, every right to your opinion, and we'd love to hear it. You can get in touch with us at WTScast on Twitter. We're also on Facebook, on Reddit, on, like, I don't know, Instagram. Some bunch, a bunch of stuff. It's in the, in the show notes. We're on Instagram. We don't do anything there, but we could. Good. You drew, drew some things one time. I drew some things one time. You um, can draw a thing and give it to us if you really wanted to. <laughs> on Insta- like, that's what Instagram is for, right? Pictures. Pictures. Like, can you tag people on Instagram? I don't even know. I barely know how Instagram <laughs> works. I just look at my friend's pictures and go, hey, that's nice, and press the like button. If you want to send us something more privately or more lengthy than a tweet, you can email us way too seriously cast at gmail.com that's right and if you like what we do and want to support us you can uh, support us on patreon patreon.com slash clockworkscast or even give us if you like what we do as well give us a rating or review on apple podcasts that would be super helpful helps let other people find us in a world of so many podcasts if you like us maybe you recommend us to your friends yeah we'd that would be great, and we would appreciate it. Yeah, I hear about all the podcasts that I listen to, I hear about via word of mouth. So, hey, yeah, word of mouth would be nice. Actually, totally. Yeah. I think 100% of the podcasts I listen to, I listen to because a person that I know said, hey, have you heard this podcast? Yep. So, why don't you go bug all the people you know Yeah. and tell um, them to listen to our podcast. When you go to see a movie at the theater, stand up afterwards and say, hey, do you think this movie was good and seriously good? No, actually, don't do that. That's super annoying. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. I've been Paul Moffat. I've been Jan Moffat. And this movie was despicable. <laughs>